At the beginning of all things, there was simply darkness, nothingness, a void over all of the world. And in this darkness, there was a sense of, of expectation. The Bible describes it as the Spirit of God hovering over the darkness, waiting to bring it to life. And then four words were spoken. Let there be light. And with those four simple words, a command, and suddenly the darkness was broken. And a light came into the world. And lightness covered the darkness, and life started. And with that creative moment of light, God made a declaration. He said that there is purpose and intent to creation. That there is a reason why he has made the world. The light represented the thought in God's heart that with light comes life and with life intent and purpose and goodness and suddenly the darkness was no more. A command of God and everything changed. But then we have a problem. Because just after those moments, humanity then gets involved. And humanity, as it often does, changes things. And humanity taking from that tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, from that place that they were not expected to eat, where they were commanded to leave alone, they grabbed. And suddenly, they were brought back into darkness again. A darkness perhaps not literally over the earth, but a darkness upon the person. A darkness and a stilling, if you will, of the soul. A darkness in relationship between us and God, us and ourselves, us and one another, and yes, us and creation. Literally, Adam and Eve, after they had taken the fruit, they recoil from the light of the presence of God. And the first act of them in the garden as God returns to them after they had taken the fruit was to retreat into the darkness of creation. And humanity, if we're honest with ourselves, has been retreating into the darkness of creation ever since. In fact, the Bible, for the rest of the Old Testament, uses the metaphor of darkness and light. This idea that while we are now captivated as humans in a place of spiritual and relational darkness, there is the ability for God to continue to bring his light. And throughout our Old Testament scriptures, darkness and light is played together in poetic metaphor. The, the darkness of hatred, but the light of love. The darkness of injustice, but the light of God's grace. The darkness of our sin, and yet the light of a God who forgives and redeems and restores. And the Old Testament prophets begin to pick up this idea of light and darkness to begin to speak prophetically of a hope that is to come. The prophets understood 
that there was no way in human skills and strategies to get out of the darkness back into light. The only way the darkness could be pierced, the darkness could be broken, is if God brought his light to the world again. So the prophets began to speak of a day, of a time in the future, not too distant, where God would break into the darkness once again with his eternal light that the light that comes in this time would never be extinguished. This light would be for the life of all humans forever, an eternal salvation of his people. So the prophets spoke of this light all the time. Let me give you one beautiful example from Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so in the present place of darkness, there was a prophetic voice of hope that one day somebody would come, described by Isaiah like a child, to those who are walking in darkness. And when that one comes, darkness will be no more. 700 years later, after Isaiah's prophetic word, a new day indeed dawned. Jesus, born to an impoverished family, in a small town on the outskirts of Jerusalem, in a dirty stable, Christ's light appeared. And light is the wonderful theme of the whole of the Christmas story. As we've traveled through Advent together as a church, we've seen this theme time and time again. The light of the angel appearing to Mary to tell her that she will be pregnant. The light of the angels peering to the shepherds, overwhelmed as they were, declaring the glory of God and the birth of the Son, Jesus. And a light, of course, in the sky for those magis in the east, following that star right to the place where Jesus was born. Light dominates the Christmas story. And essentially, it's because what we see is the greatest light is not in the sky, it's not some angel, it's a fragile human child. The person of Jesus, wrapped up in cloth, laid in a dirty stable, is the greatest light that this world has ever known. In Jesus, we have this profound message of Christmas, that God was willing to come to a dark place with the light of his salvation, so we may know true life. That's the wonder of Christmas. That's what we've been singing and celebrating over this month, what you've been doing on on Friday night and hopefully what you celebrated yesterday with your friends and family, that a light has come so we would know true life, salvation, redemption and glory, forgiveness of sin, redemption for one another. That's the beauty of Christmas. But here's the thing. When we think about Jesus as the light of this world, it is not just a declaration that he's like some light that we're drawn to, that that, that he's some light of eternal salvation that, that makes our lives better. As wonderful as that is, that's not the full picture of saying that Jesus is actually the light of the world. What we are actually seeing at Christmas is more than that. 
Jesus is not just a light that draws people towards salvation. Jesus is the light that illuminates everything else. That Jesus' light, if you will, is not just one that shines towards salvation. It's a one that shines out into the world so that the darkness would be revealed for what it truly is. When we say that Jesus is the light of the world, what we're actually saying is this, that in Jesus, we have not just the light that gives us the source of all life, but the source by which all life can be seen. Are you with me? Maybe you're not. (laughs) So let me explain this scientifically for you. Light literally is electromagnetic radiation of wavelengths that are visible to the human eye. Is that helping with you now? (laughs) Electromagnetic radiation wavelengths visible to the human eye. They're actually 400 to 700 nanometers in length, in diameter. In other words, they're some of the smallest things in the world that are actually visible to us. These uh, electromagnetic wavelengths travel at the fastest speed that anything in the world travels. They travel at 186,182 miles per second. Not just miles per hour, miles per second. Nothing in the world travels faster than that. And what happens is your ability to actually see, your ability to be able to perceive anything is because these electromagnetic wavelengths are zipping all around the world at all times. They're bouncing off objects. And as they bounce off objects, they go into your eyes, your brain processes it, and you see something. So so here's Ivan. And even in the darkest of days, Ivan is a wonder to look at. He's a good-looking guy, right? electromagnetic wavelengths are flying at Ivan all the time. They're bouncing off of him. They come into my eyes. I process it, and I see the glory that is Ivan, right? That is the wonder of sight. Now, here's the thing. Darkness, therefore, is the absence of light. You all know that, don't you? But think of it scientifically. Darkness is the absence of electromagnetic wavelengths bouncing off things and going into your eyes and processing something to enable you to see. And if you're anything like me and you grew up in Hong Kong, trust me, you do not know darkness. Are you with me, Hong Kong people? We don't have darkness in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, you have daytime and then slightly less dark or slightly less bright nighttime is basically what we have. Because we have light pollution everywhere in Hong Kong, don't we? So you know what it's like when you get to the end of your day and you turn off your light in your bedroom. You know, your bedroom kind of is a little bit dark, but you can still see stuff in your bedroom and stuff. That's not really dark, my friends. Trust me, if you want to know dark, move to New Zealand. (laughs) My wife is from New Zealand, okay? And I did not understand darkness until she took me to New Zealand. She took me to her, her family's home. It's a place called Hamilton. It's, it's classified a city in New Zealand, but it's basically like a small village in England. Okay? But it is this place. And, and so we go there, and she takes us to her childhood home. And, and we had a wonderful day. This is my first time in New Zealand. We had a wonderful day with her family. We get into uh, her bedroom at night. We get into the bed. We were married. Just want to make it clear. We get into the bed. <laughs> And, and we have our lights on by the side of the bed, as we often do. We did a bit of reading. She turned off her light. Uh, I turned off my light. And I was like, Because ah! for the first time in my life, it was pitch black. It was the same blackness whether my eyes were open or closed. 
like it was completely black. There was no light anywhere. There was the absence of electromagnetic wavelengths. They were not flying anywhere in New Zealand in that time, okay? It is super dark. Who's experienced darkness like that, right? Yeah, it's it's crazy when it's that dark. I was like lying in bed. After I'd gotten over the panic, I was lying in bed experimenting, putting my hand in front of my face. And I couldn't see it until it touched my nose and it would like freak me out. Where's my hand? Ah! <laughs> when Jesus in John 8, 12 says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever would follow after me would never walk in darkness, but would see the light of life. He's actually saying two things. He's saying, yes, I'm the light of this salvation. I am the light of your hope. If you come to me and bring me your sin, I will redeem you and set you free. But he's also saying, if you come and follow me, if you have relationship with me, you will never walk in darkness. Why? Because through me, I illuminate everything in this world. In other words, if you want to see the world as it truly is, as it should be, as I want you to see it, you cannot see the world clearly unless you're in relationship with me, is what he's saying. That there is darkness around there. But if you follow me, I will bring that darkness to life and you will see as you should truly see. You see, without light, it is impossible to see. Without Jesus, you will never see clearly or well. Are you with me, people? Jesus is not just this salvation to get our sins forgiven so we get into heaven at some point. Jesus is also the revelation that through relationship with him, we can begin to see things as they truly are. Jesus is not just the gift of life. Jesus is the illumination of life. He enables us to see the world and life as it truly should be be seen. The wonder of Christmas is that we have a light that has come into this world so that we get salvation, but also we get to look at one another and truly see each other through the light of Jesus. Trust me, when I see you through the light of Andrew, you look pretty dark. Just being honest with you. When I look into a mirror through the eyes of darkness and Andrew, it looks pretty grim. But when I look at you through the light of Jesus, I've never seen more better looking people than I've ever seen in my life. And when I look into that mirror through the light of Jesus, I do my best to see this beautiful boy, this wonderful guy, forgiven and redeemed. Are you with me? So when we say that Jesus is light, what is it exactly that he's illuminating for us? What is it this Christmas time that I think Jesus wants you to see really clearly? Well, that's the question that our Christmas story answers. And we've been spending uh, our time in Luke uh, during Advent. But I want today, this morning on Boxing Day, to go uh, to Matthew. And I want to read you Matthew's story that happens immediately after the birth of Jesus. In other words, for Matthew... He gives us this story to tell us this is what Jesus illuminates. Jesus is born, comes into the world, and his light illuminates things. And in this story, Matthew shows us three ways that Jesus illuminates life for us. I want to read this to you. Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked this question, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, a light, get this, <laughs> in the sky on the east, and we have come now to worship him. 
When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and old Jerusalem with him. I love this. Basically, this is saying when King Herod is angry, the rest of the city trembles in fear and anticipation for what he's going to do. Verse 4, when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is this Christ to be born? Oh, in Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. And they quote from Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of our people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the light had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said this, Go and make careful search for this child. For as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star led them all the way from the east, all the way to the place where it stopped over, the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented with him gifts of gold and incense and myrrh, and having been warned by a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel, a being of light, if you will, appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child with his mother, and during the night they left and fled for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through his prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity, who were two years and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It blows my mind that Matthew follows the story of the birth of Jesus with a story of what happens immediately after the light comes into the world. Here's what happens. Darkness tries to overcome it straight away. Immediately, there's this story of, of pretty big darkness. I mean, Christmas is a time to celebrate. Christmas is a time to find joy. And yet, immediately, the darkness tries to fight back. And Matthew here is trying to show us the beauty and the wonder of what the light of Christ truly shines on. First of all, it's a light that shines on ourselves. What Matthew does is he sets up a tension and a contrast between Herod and Joseph in this passage. He, he shows us Herod, and he shows Herod as the worst kind of human being that there possibly can. I mean, here's a man who abuses his power. Here's a man who has uh, got darkness in his heart. Here's a man who struggles with jealousy, rage, and anger. A man who any threats to his throne must be squashed. A man who decides out of a place of anger and, and insecurity to basically order a genocide to basically murder hundreds of Jewish children in Bethlehem and in the villages surrounding it. The backdrop to the Christmas story is the wailing and the suffering of families whose children have been stolen from them and killed. Herod 
represents for us in this story the worst of what happens to humanity when darkness overtakes our hearts. This is Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, taken to its worst form. This is Matthew saying, this is what some of us can become like. And then he contrasts that before we would get ourselves into much of a place of despondency with Joseph. And Matthew is basically saying, yes, there are Herods in this world, but there are also Josephs. And he shows us what a relationship can be like with God, where despite the darkness in our hearts as humans, there is great faithfulness to be found. Joseph is shown by Matthew here as a kind, humble, faithful man, a man who's not perfect, but a man who hears the voice of God and the word of God and decides to respond. And in being obedient to God's word, unlike Adam in the garden who was disobedient, in being obedient to God's word, takes his, his Mary and Jesus, flees to Egypt, and they survive, and the light is not distinguished. And so there's this idea of the darkness of Herod in humanity, and yet the wonder that can be in humanity with the faithfulness of Joseph. And Matthew's asking us all a strong question. Which one do you want to be? Because while there's probably no mass murderers sitting in this room, at least I hope not, there is a little bit of Herod in all of us, isn't there? There's a little bit of jealousy, of anger, a little bit of brokenness, a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of a desire for power sometimes. There are Herods, if you will, that can sit in all of us. And yet Matthew would say this, the light of Christ in Christmas time illuminates ourselves so that yes, we become aware of the Herods, but in being aware of the Herods, we can bring them to the only place where God can deal with them, a savior, one who's come, God with us, one who has revealed the beauty and the glory of God. And so Joseph reminds us that as we shine the light on ourselves, we bring our Herods. We don't bury them. And as you go from 2021 to 2022, may Christmas encourage you that the light of Christ shines a light on yourself so that you can leave your Herods behind and walk like Joseph into the new year. Not perfect, struggling at times, but humble before God, faithful and obedient to his word. And let me tell you this. We're stepping into a new year where there's still a lot of darkness in our city. Where there's still a lot of challenge around us. And are we going to allow the Herods to win in us? Or are we going to bring our Herods, receive God's love, and then shine the light of Christ to the world? Not the dirtiness of the Herods that are buried in us. Are you with me, church? Jesus' light shines a light on ourselves. But it also shines a light on the world. 
one of the great things that we see in this passage as Matthew unpacks this story is the reality of what the world is truly like. And I love this. I love the fact that in the Christmas story, God is not trying to bury the reality that there is still much brokenness in this world. I love the way that Matthew uh, connects it to the Old Testament passage in verse 18. He says, A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. He doesn't hide from the, the, the darkness of the genocide. And he says, here's the reality. You want to know what's happening in Bethlehem right now, right after the birth of Jesus? It's not celebration. It's not joy. There's weeping taking place. There, 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 there's hardship. That, that, that things are, are still difficult in this world. And the glory of the light of Christ is that through Jesus, things are illuminated so we can see them as they truly are. Not so we can see them and be repulsed by them, but see them and be drawn to them with the hope that is in us in Jesus Christ. That we can look out into the world around us and realize that so often life is a contrast of rejoicing and weeping, of worship and, and the suffering that we see around us. And as Christians, we have been given the light of Christ so that we might be vehicles of hope to those that are suffering. And the Christmas story reminds us that the light that is in us is not just for us. That the light in that stable was for the whole world. And it's a light that shines outwards from the church, God's people on earth. And each one of you represents an incredible sphere of influence where you've got darkness around you, friends, people, situations, hardships, stuff that's happening that you know about in your sphere of influence. And I tell you what, if you're anything like me, a lot of the conversations you're having with people these days, they're dark, sad, down kind of conversations. I, I, I've had so many conversations recently with people at dinner or over coffee and people bemoaning Hong Kong and all the bad stuff that's happening. And of course, we are not to ignore the realities of our situation. But the light of Christ has come so that these things could be illuminated so that we wouldn't join in with the chorus of, oh, yeah, isn't everything terrible? But we would join with a new chorus, a new song on our hearts, that we would shine with the hope of Jesus, not ignoring the realities of the world, but saying darkness does not win. That there is something that has come into this world that now shines a light that is much needed. So at Christmas time, we have to be really careful that we don't allow the rejoicing of our worship, as important as that is, to drown out the sobs of the people who are lonely, who are sick, who are suffering. Christmas, if it's anything, is a time that reminds us to pick up the call of Jesus to follow him into the real world. That world out there that desperately needs the light of Christ. And it's not a pastor in a building that's going to bring that message. It's you sitting in these chairs. It's you watching online. You are the ones that carry the light of Christ in your lives. Shine brightly, my friend. So a light that shines on ourselves. A light that shines on the world. But also, importantly, a light that shines on God. 
One of the things that Luke and Matthew both celebrate in the Christmas story is that when Jesus comes as the light of the world, he's given a name. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Ellison spoke to the kids about this beautiful truth that God is now present with us. What that means is when you see Jesus, you see God. 100% God, 100% human in one form, that when we look upon the light of Christ, we get to see God in all of his illuminated glory, his character, his wonder, his mercy, his power, and yes, most importantly, his triumph and victory over darkness. Think about the story that Matthew's just presented for us. It is not a fair fight in that story because you've got Herod, with his mighty armies, Herod with his spies and informants, Herod with all the power of the Roman Empire at his disposal, trying to hunt down a poor, defenseless mother, father, and child who can't even find a proper house to be in, but are relegated to a stable with animals. This is not a fair fight. Can you see the difference? The power of Rome and the brokenness of an impoverished Jewish family. And in that, we might think that darkness always wins, but we then see the inbreaking of the power of God. An angel to Joseph in a dream, take this child, flee to Egypt. You will be safe there. Joseph waking up, obedient to the call of God on his life, picking up his child, taking his wife, going to Egypt and slipping away. When we thought the empire had won, God brings his light again. And if Christmas is a story of anything, it's the story of a God who when he acts, nothing can stop him. No darkness is dark like New Zealand (laughs) that can overpower the light of Christ in this world. The great message we have at Christmas, the great hope that you have is no matter how hard things might be for your life right now, and we're all struggling with something in our lives there's all disconcertism. There's, there's, there's a sense of, of, of worry about our future. We're all carrying something, but the darkness doesn't get the final say. It illuminates the power and the triumph of God. Jesus would grow, take our sins, go to the cross, be resurrected. The church would be birthed by the power of the Spirit of God and begin to bring the word from Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And now the church in our city, gathered together, strong across the breadth of this city, rising up in 2021. And it might feel like things are as dark today as they were back then in the first century, but the light has not being extinguished. And may I encourage you, as you come out of 2021 into 2022, can I encourage you, don't extinguish your light for our city here in Hong Kong needs to see it more than ever before. I wonder whether we as a church, and by that I mean the church of our city, the church of Hong Kong, I wonder whether we would make an effort in 2022 to actually realize that Christ has come to illuminate myself, to illuminate the world, to illuminate God. And we have a message of hope to bring that if we can go out there into those spheres of influence that we have, not with the doom and the gloom and this is all really bad, but actually with a new song in our hearts, with a new word of hope, with the only hope that there is, Jesus Christ. His light is in you so that you would shine, not for your glory, but for his. And I wonder what it would mean for you 
to realize that Jesus is the divine electromagnetic wavelength of this world. And he is bouncing off of everything out there. And when you have eyes to see, you will be blown away with the hope that there still is in Hong Kong. With the wonder that there still is in this world. That no matter what the Herods might try to say and do, Christ has come. Christ is here. Emmanuel with us. Let there be light. In Jesus' name, everyone says, Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Father, we are so grateful that we have this light. So grateful that this light has come into darkness so that we would know darkness doesn't get the final say. So that we would be filled with a joy ourselves, not just for our own personal salvation, as important as that is, but also filled with a light so that we can be your hands and feet in a dark world. And Lord, we know that your light shines so that we can see the Herods in us. And so Lord, I want to pray for anyone in this room here at Christmas time who knows that there's a couple of Herods that are hanging on, a couple of things that they're struggling with. Lord, I know that you don't want to have anyone in this room stepping or online stepping out of 2021 and 22 carrying some of those things with them. So Lord, I want to pray for the beauty of the light of conviction that shines in our hearts and enables us to deal with our sin. And we do that simply by confessing and bringing it to you and joyfully handing it to you, knowing that we are forgiven and set free. Lord, I pray that you would change the Herods and move us like Joseph into a place of greater faithfulness and obedience in the year ahead. Lord, we don't do it in our strength. We do it by the power of your spirit at work in us, the light of Christ shining on ourselves. Lord, I pray you would awaken our eyes to see Hong Kong in 2022 like never before. Lord, we don't ignore the realities of a changing political context. We don't ignore the realities of a pandemic that still is at work in this world. But Father, we want to step forward in 2022 with eyes that see the hope in the darkness. Eyes that see Christ's light at work. Eyes that are able to rejoice in the beauty that Christ is not reserved to 90 minutes on a Sunday in a building, but is vibrant and alive, bouncing off of all of the world out there. Open our eyes to see it, Lord. And Father, we pray that in 2022, we would see you like never before, that you would shine a light on God, that we would see your compassion, your love, your mercy, your glory, that it would open our eyes and that that would be the fuel that would drive us to share the gospel. Lord, we want 2022 to be a year of harvest for our city. 2022 to be a year of harvest in our sphere of influence, our friends and our families that don't know you. Lord, would the light of Christ come, Lord. Uh, Lord, I want to pray a, a prayer of empowerment for people in this room who have friends and family that don't know Jesus. Lord, I pray that their own lives would be a light of the gospel shining to them. That, Lord, at the right time and in the right way, you would fill them with your spirit to share the light of the gospel uh, directly with their friends and family. Father, we want to tell of your story in this world, Lord. So fill us with your light. So may your light, Lord, drive us onwards. And we celebrate this here on Boxing Day in 2021. Thank you for coming, the light of the world. We follow you into the darkness with your light. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone says...
Amen. Amen. Why don't we worship uh, together as a congregation?